Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. I want to share with you some thoughts today that will center, eventually will center our focus on the word deception, deception. Now, that word deception, there are a lot of words that have a little bit of a ring like that. For example, uh, football season, interception, <laughs> reception. Uh, there are so many words that sound a little like this, but there, this, this word deception is a unique word. It has a ring to it and, and brings this idea to us that's extremely significant. And it may surprise us if we haven't looked in a Strong's or any type of online search. It may surprise us how often Scripture uses that term, either the word deceive, deception, uh, terms that are linked to that. And I want to use the parasha, this week's Torah portion, as a springboard to get to the main topic of deception. So, this week's parasha begins in Sefer Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11, as Josh mentioned during the liturgy, beginning with verse 26. And if you read through the portion, this section of Deuteronomy, and also other sections of Scripture, because the principle is true throughout Scripture, uh, this particular section of Scripture in Devarim, chapter 11 and forward, uh, gives us an easy to understand, uh, offers us easy to understand statements about obedience and disobedience. And how many know that when you add the, the, the prefix D-I-S to the word obedience, it changes it radically. Obedience, disobedience, they become polar opposites, basically. And this week's parasha begins, Behold, I set before you today, Hayom, a bracha, a blessing, and a klala, a curse. The blessing in Deuteronomy chapter 11, beginning with verse 26, the blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. In verse 28, and the curse, which is the, in biblical thinking, it's the opposite of blessing. It's the place of no blessing. Please don't think of the Hollywood idea here. But curse in the biblical sense means the opposite station from blessing. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, and then it adds this clause, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. That's how this week's parasha, this week's sedra begins. And the message that's conveyed here in Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 11, I would suggest to you it's a straightforward message. It's not really that opaque. It's straightforward. It's pretty easy. 
And that same message concerning obedience and disobedience is upheld throughout all of Scripture. It's not just in the book of Devarim, Deuteronomy. Obedience to the Lord, obedience to His ways, obedience to His Word, we can say as we carefully peruse Scripture and look at and study Scripture, we can say that these things, obedience to His way and His Word, to Him brings blessing. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16, from the end of last week's parashah, again in the Torah, at, at the end of last week's sedra, we read this in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16, and you may remember this if you had a chance to read last week's portion. It begins with this statement in the English language, take heed to yourselves. It is in the plural form, so it's speaking to a group of people. We can synthesize that down to just you and me. But take heed to yourselves. And then the next statement in Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16 says, lest your heart be deceived. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. And then, as you might expect, after the idea of the heart being deceived, is this next statement that's found at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16, the B part of the verse. It says, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Not just serve, but worship them. Now, much can be said about this warning that I just read from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Much can be said about that. But this is for sure true, that a deceived heart is ultimately connected to disobedience. Or if you will, if you want to express it in another way, a deceived heart is, is ultimately connected to disobedience, which leads to what? Sinful and wrong actions or deeds, and we can even say words. Because as Yeshua wonderfully pointed out, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if the heart is astray, it follows suit that the words are going to become like that. It is important for us to make sure that we don't use filthy language. I am amazed. Actually, I am astonished. Maybe that's not even the worst word. I am appalled at some of the language that's out there now in our society. I, I saw a, a guy wearing a T-shirt. Uh, this was real life. Saw him, and I couldn't believe it. I, I'm not going to say it. It's too vulgar. And just parading with it on his back. The most vulgar, and, and not even thinking twice about it. And I thought, my goodness, what's happened? That vulgarity such as that, the, the most crass and dirty language you can imagine, paraded on the back of a young guy walking there. And I don't think it's the idea of young that's the main thing. There could be any age person doing it. But a deceived heart is ultimately connected to disobedience and, if you will, to sinful and wrong actions or deeds and eventually words. Words begin to show. You can hear it in the words. Now, we shouldn't be surprised if we've studied Scripture, we realize that Yermiahu Hanavi, Jeremiah the prophet, in chapter 17, an off-quoted verse, 
Verse 9, verse 9 and also verse 10 says, Akov halev mikol. The heart is deceitful above all things. How many of you have heard that verse before? The heart is deceitful above all things. Here's this word deceitful. We've already encountered the word deception. The heart is deceitful above all things. And then this translation, New King James, uh, in trying to express what the Hebrew language says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And then it adds this, and desperately wicked. And then there's this question, although question marks aren't in the text. It's an implied from the text. Who can know it? Thankfully, there's this next statement where the Lord, after Jeremiah makes this statement, it's as if the Lord speaking says, I, the Lord, who care, I search the heart, I search out, examine the heart, I bohen, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, free according to the fruit of his doings. Now, the first passage I read from Deuteronomy talks in a collective form, a you-all form, but this one brings it right down at home and says, even to give every person, every man, every woman, according to his or her ways. Brings it down to home base, to where our feet are planted as individuals. Now, the Bible offers considerable insight into the importance of heart devotion. I think you would agree with that. You could probably uh, yell out some verses that, that prove that, that God's concerned about heart devotion. He wants us to love him how? With all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all our mind, with our strength, with our whole being, one could say. So, Scripture offers considerable insight to the importance of heart devotion to the Lord and to His Word and to His ways. And Scripture exhorts us, as I just mentioned, that we are to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart. And still, what Kepha says, what Peter wrote in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, does surprise people. I mean, they readily sign on the dotted line that we're to love God with our whole heart and our whole being, readily sign on to that. In fact, we repeat that often within Judaism. It's a major part of the liturgy of Judaism, the recitation of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 and forward, the Ve'ahavta. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 brings us to a whole nother level when it comes down to personal application. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says, Now that you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth. That's what we want, isn't it? To obey the truth. Leading to sincere brotherly love. And then it says this, and there are different translations concerning this, but it all hits the same line here. It says, love one another, how? Fervently from a pure heart. As we repeat here during our liturgy section, the chazan, the cantor, whoever's canting that day, will invariably mention that Yeshua, these were the two great commandments, to love God with all our heart, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things, the whole the Torah hinges, all the commands of God hinge, they're connected somehow to that. 
So let me read this again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth, leading to sincere brotherly love, love one another fervently from a pure heart. Now, as I was studying this, reading this passage, I noticed that there are at least five key ideas found in this verse, just this one verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. And here are the ideas that I found in this verse. One had to do with purity. Purity. There is a difference between that which is pure and that which is impure. The second idea had to do with obedience to truth. Well, we can be obedient to many things. We can be obedient and subservient to the ways of the world. We can be obedient and subservient to the thinking of the world. But this passage advocates in connection with learning to really love one another. And Yeshua said, by this shall all men know that you are my Talmudim, you're my disciples. How? If you have love one for another. So purity is a key idea in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Obedience to truth is a key idea in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. And then this idea of sincerity and fervent love for one another. And then lastly, alev tahor, as Psalm 50 puts it. Where David, after David HaMelech, after sinning with Bathsheba, he says, lev tahor. Barali Elohim, Beruach Nachon Chadesh Bekerbi. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. A pure heart is necessary. Now, many passages in Scripture speak about God's love. Hundreds of them, perhaps, either directly or indirectly, refer to God's love. Either his actions that show his love or direct statements concerning his love. How many people can recite right away if I say John 3.16? You can immediately recite what that says. For God so loved the world, the idea of God's love. But Deuteronomy 11.16, which we read previously, says, Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. Your innermost being, what's deep inside of you, your, your very, what makes you function, become deceived. Now, deception is found throughout Scripture. It's found in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden. That beautiful place, the Garden of Eden, and we see deception at work there through the Nachash, through the snake, the serpent. But yet this idea of deception goes all the way to the book of Revelation and all the places in between this idea of deception, either deception or truth. But this idea of deception permeates the Scripture from Genesis, first chapters, all the way to the very end of the book of Revelation. For example, in Revelation chapter 20, Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then I saw a malach, an angel, coming down from Hashemayim, the heavens, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. <laughs> Boy, that's a picture, isn't it? <laughs> it's one thing to think about the angel coming down from heaven. It's another thing to think about that key and, and in his hand and a great chain and the idea of the bottomless pit. Now, I have been over to 
um, Carlsbad Cavern, and I do remember the bottomless pit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The bottomless pit at Carlsbad Cavern. And you've heard me tell this, probably some of you over the years, I've mentioned this because it impacted me. But back when we went with our children to Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico, they would turn the lights off after you got down in there. <laughs> Gives me, how can I say, the heebie-jeebies even thinking about it. And they turned the lights off, and you're, you're there with children. The first thing you think is, don't move, kids, because it's dark. It is as dark as dark gets. And they turned the lights off, and we just happened to be by one of these, the uh, places within Carlsbad Caverns that's called the Bottomless Pit. And I promise you, I didn't move an inch when those lights went off. I was like this. I didn't know if I, I hadn't really noticed where I was standing by. I didn't know that bottomless pit was nearby. And I didn't want to hear somebody screaming going to the bottom. But this says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And how mysterious is this? This hidden idea here. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should, what? Deceive the nations no more. And it goes on from there all the way to verse 20 in Revelation chapter, uh, verse 10 in Revelation chapter 20 that says, the devil who deceived them was cast into a lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, frankly, this is way beyond my understanding. And it concerns me when people tell me, uh, well, I really understand all this. <laughs> Woo, I'm stepping back from that. <laughs> but it does say, and it does use the words, deceived, deceived. It says that, so that he should deceive the nations no more. And then it says, the devil who deceived them. And we, we have deception linked with Satan. And Yeshua described Satan and called him the father of basically all lies. He's the father of lies. Now, deception of one kind or another was referred to by Yeshua, he referred to deception quite a few times in the Gospels. When we're reading it, we don't necessarily focus on that, and we rightfully focus upon his statements about love and forgiveness and his parables and all that, but he also spoke about deception and being deceived. In the synoptic Gospels, the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Yeshua is quoted as saying something like this to his followers when he was discussing the last days of the earth. In Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 3, he says this. It's one of the 1,050 commands in the new covenant, and we did find a list of all them. <laughs> in fact, I shared it with Carl. <laughs> but the 1,050 commands in the new covenant, this is one of the 1,050 commands in the new covenant. Here it is. Take heed that no one deceives you. And then in the context when he's speaking about 
in the light of the shadow of the temple, the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem, he says, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Mashiach. And what does it say? And will deceive many. So in the first point, in verse 3, he says, take heed that no one deceives you. And then in the very next verse, verse 4, he says that many will be deceived particularly about the Messiah. Friends, an area of potential deception would be the person of the Messiah. It could have many forms to that. Individuals saying that, well, um, Yeshua didn't complete his task. That's the basic teaching of Islam. Or Yeshua didn't rise from the dead. That's a false teaching. It's well uh, attributed that he rose from the dead. He appeared to hundreds of people. And there was little dispute about that while those people were living. And other things about Yeshua, his person, saying that he, you know, he wasn't from the tribe of Judah, that he wasn't a, what we would call a Jewish person. Other things. So we want to make sure that we really, when we, when we consider Yeshua, that we consider him in his reality of who he is. And we want to make sure we are clinging to and believing in the real Messiah, the one that Scripture speaks of, the ones that the Hebrew prophets prophesied of, the one whom the Hebrew prophets prophesied of, the real Messiah, the one that was born in Bethlehem, Ephrata, the one who, as we sang today, who laid down his life for us, the sacrificed lamb, as we sang of today, the one of whom Isaiah 53 speaks of and all the other over 300 prophecies that refer to Yeshua. We want to make sure that we cling to him. And even as Yeshua said in Matthew 24, verse 3, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Later on in the same chapter, he brings up deception again in verse 24 of Matthew 24. He says, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to Deceive, if possible, even the elect. And then he says this, see, I have told you beforehand. I don't know what that does to you, that statement, to deceive, if, if possible, even the elect. That really grabs me. It seems to be a warning. When he says that, how serious is this idea the issue of deception, even to us as believers, we want to make sure that we continue to walk in the truth and the antidote to deception is walking in the truth as it is in Messiah Yeshua, as it is in the Word of God, as it is in the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. So it's a serious issue when Yeshua says to deceive if possible even the elect. Now, in other places, Yeshua spoke about deception, which is our main topic here today, which I want to bring us to a certain point with this. But also, in the Brit Hadashah, in the New Covenant writings, he wasn't the only one that spoke about deception. Rav Shaul, Paul the Apostle, he often used the term deceived and deception. He used those terms quite often. And to different, sometimes to individuals such as Timothy and Titus, sometimes to whole communities like the Ephesians. And he was particularly concerned that new believers would not become deceived, that would lead them to go astray, that would, they would find themselves far from, again, back to our initial premise in the Torah, far from obedience and blessing. 
because deception will lead us away from a place of blessing. He wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul wrote to them in verse 2. He says, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. By the way, if you're going to be jealous about anything, make sure it's godly. I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Messiah Yeshua. And verse 3, what an impactful verse this is. One of the few times where he talks about fear, the apostle talks about fear. He seemed to be a fearless person in many ways. But I fear lest somehow... As the serpent deceived Chava, Eve, by his craftiness, so what? So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Messiah. The simplicity that is in Messiah. Paul was concerned that the Corinthian believers, this growing body of believers, that they would make their spiritual walk too complex and end up being deceived in their walk. He wanted them to walk in the simplicity that is in Messiah, to have a simple trust and to have a simple uh, working out of that trust through actions and words. And after all, as a Pharisee, as a Parush, who was raised by Pharisee parents, Paul knew that blessing, that blessing hinged on simple, faithful obedience to the Lord. There's where blessing comes, through simple, faithful obedience to the Lord. It's still the same for us, by the way. So, friends, in these ever-darkening days that we live right now, that we're in this generation right now, we need to make sure that we are faithfully maintaining a simplicity of devotion. Don't make it too complex. Keep it simple. <laughs> I'll never forget at Bible college the first time I heard the KISS principle. <laughs> and all of us who are young, <laughs> we're young, simple, uh, you know, eager, eager, uh, eager to be married type guys. Uh, when we heard that the, the guest speaker was to speak on KISS, I thought, oh, that might be interesting. <laughs> Well, when, he, when it was an acronym for keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> and that's what he taught on. You know, the, I, to this day, I remember it, by the way, so his technique was good. But uh, the, the word kiss was totally misunderstood at the time. But we live in an ever-darkening day, don't we? I mean, how many of you sometimes get discouraged? If, if you look too much at the news, you can feel this pall of this cloud of darkness come on your own thinking. If you get too caught up in what's happening in the world, and I don't think we should be ostriches, but if we get too caught up and it becomes a main focus where the only thing we do is we skip news channel to news channel on our television. In fact, television itself needs to be well-tended nowadays. Need to be extremely careful with television there. Some of the stuff that's being promoted, some of the words that are being used, some of the attitudes and I encourage you, and, and please take this as a, a mission for you, if you will, this Shabbat. If you're watching television, don't just focus on the words. Think about what attitude is being conveyed by that program. What attitude are they trying to convey to you? And you'll find that the subliminal stuff that's happening with television is lethal. It can be lethal, so be careful. So let's not complicate things and deceive ourselves with 
Yeah, we do it with excuses, with rationalizations, with self-justifications concerning our own personal devotion. You know, the best thing to do is to just do it. The Lord says pray, well, pray. The Lord says read His Word, read His Word. The Lord says don't forsake these assembling together with fellow believers. Well, don't forsake these assembling together with fellow believers. The Lord says be generous, be generous. The Lord says care, care. Keep it simple. I'm going to use KISS too today, can I? Here's the acronym for us. Keep it simple, saints. <laughs> our spiritual pursuits should include devoting our time. Just think about, do an inventory on your life. How much time do you devote to the community, to spiritual things? If you're like me, you'll, you'll feel lacking. Our talents, uh, so often, uh, as Ricky was mentioned about our AC today, we have a lot of need there. And I'm thankful for Carl and Dean and others that have been involved with that because that's not an area I have talent in. But I'm thankful for folks. But don't hold back the areas you can be of help. And as uh, Ricky mentioned, also our treasure. Keep it simple. I mean, make tithing part of your life. Don't, don't push that off and, you know, theologize it. Just do it. Make it part of your life. And also make sure that you're in sync with the Spirit and congregational leadership. What's happening? So Paul wrote this to the Galatians when he talked about deception in chapter 6, verse 7. It's another one of the 1,050 commands in the New Covenant. He said, what? Do not be deceived. The second thing he said is an extension of the idea, do not be deceived. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap what? Everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if what? If we do not lose heart. We keep pressing on. We keep persevering. And verse 10 is a good one for us. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to those who are of the house of the faith. Now, Paul also warns, using the idea of deception, he also warns about our social, our relational realm in life. He wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, again, the same phraseology, he says, do not be deceived. That's how he begins this idea. He says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And I can tell you rabbinically, pastorally over the decades that I've seen this happen many times. Folks that were just walking in a good way began to mingle with the wrong type of people. The rebellious. Those that had an attitude. Those who were doing the wrong things. Etc. And after a while, they be, it began to rub off on them. Have you heard that expression before of something rubbing off on another person? Well, it began to rub off on them. But this commandment is pretty clear in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. And let's keep it simple, saints. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 
And as Paul advocated for Messianic believers to maintain what we would call high moral standards, scriptural ethics, however one wants to determine it, he encouraged that the community not depart from the simplicity of trust in Messiah Yeshua, simplicity of their faith in Messiah Yeshua. So Yeshua spoke about deception. Rob Shaul Paul spoke about deception. It may surprise you that they weren't the only two. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. There's the word deceptive. For a long time, the judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. As I was reading this over and over again this week, I couldn't help but notice the preponderance of the letter D in this verse, in these verses. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He wrote about destructive heresies. He wrote about denying the Lord. He wrote about destructive ways. He wrote about deceptive words, and he wrote about their destruction. Strong words, but he wasn't the only one. Yeshua spoke about deception. Rav Shaul, Paul spoke about deception. Kepha, Peter, in a number of places, speaks about deception. But one of the most quoted is actually Yaakov, James. In James chapter 1, verse 22, he said this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's been suggested that self-deception is one of the most lethal forms of deception. When a person becomes so self-deceived that they actually think they're not, they think they're correct. We need, we need one another. We need rubbing elbows with each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to be there for one another. But Yaakov James chapter 1, verse 22, let me read it again, says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But that's not the only thing he said about deception. A little bit later, a few verses later in chapter 1 of Yaakov James, verse 26, he says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious... And does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. That phrase, deceives his own heart, speaks of self-deception. But they're not the only ones that spoke about deception. Yeshua, Paul, James, Peter, the very message of redemption when we read in 1 Yohanan and 1 John, the writer of 1 John, in the very first chapter, beginning with verse 7, he wrote this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Messiah Yeshua, his son, does what? Cleanses us from all sin. How many of you are glad for that? I am. <laughs> Cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, (laughs) 
we deceive ourselves. Let me stop there. I'm going to read the next part of this, but let me mention something to you. Please be careful about self-righteousness. Be careful about it. It's almost impossible to connect with someone that thinks they're always right about everything. And it's their way or the highway. Be careful about self-righteousness. A self-righteous attitude is someone that thinks everything they say and do is absolutely correct. So what that means, and when you translate that into actual living, that means that they expect you to toe their line because they're right. Friends, if you, <laughs> you have any remiss, any hint of that in your life, jettison it now. Get rid of it. Because it's destructive to your own relationship. It's destruction to your relationship with the Lord. It's your own relationships, your relationship with the Lord. And it's also destructive to your relationship with yourself. Did you notice that he says he deceives his own heart? And also, if we say in verse 8 of 1 Yohanan, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, just. To do what? To forgive us our sins and to do what What else? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I want to conclude this this, um, brief teaching on deception. That started with the Torah portion. Because what's online in the Torah portion is very simple. Obedience, disobedience. Obedience, connects with blessing. Disobedience connects with what? Klala, the opposite of blessing. There's no substitute for simple devotion in our lives to our Messiah. There's no substitute for ongoing obedience and on a personal level to the Lord, to his word. There's no substitute for those things. Let's not be deceived about that. You can't get around that. If we're going to walk with the Lord, that's part of the, the agenda that we have before the Lord, that we walk with him according to his word. We listen to his Ruach HaKodesh. We try to be led by his spirit. And yet we find ourselves in an age of increasing deception. I think it's going to get worse. How many agree? It's going to get worse. It's there. I like to read foreign press, uh, not just Israeli press, but foreign press. Some of you know we have a couple children that live outside of this country. I try to keep track of what's happening in the places where they're at, etc. And I am appalled at some of the stuff that's coming forward. One's in Asia, the other's in Europe. I'm appalled by some of the stuff that's happening. Some of the stuff that's become unacceptable in certain societies, that's absolutely acceptable according to the Word of God. In fact, encouraged by the Word of God is discouraged now in some societies. And you know what? It's trickling here. It's happening here. We need to be careful there. Sadly, many are abandoning the sound teachings of Scripture. And How blessed are we to have the Word of God? Dust it off your shelves. Make it part of your daily devotion. But many are are leaving Scripture and adopting and, and tying into and buying into the unsound ways of this world, whether it be in speech, whether it be in action, whether it be in mentality or attitude, buying into it. But ultimately, I believe by the power of God, 
and according to his grace and his perfect plan, that his faithful followers, his Hasidim, his saints, the faithful body of believers, that faithful believers in the Messiah will be triumphant in the end. I think Scripture is abundantly clear about it. But we, we dare not deceive ourselves this day. We dare not deceive ourselves into thinking, well, I've arrived now and I don't need anything else. We are a work in process. There is a, a progressive work of the Holy Spirit happening in our lives. We do better to obey the Lord than to disobey Him. It's better all around, not only for us, but for our families and for the community we must, as it said, we must talk the talk. We must walk the walk. And we must not balk at doing the will of God joyfully, with gladness, and doing the will of God from a whole, a complete hearted devotion. I think if you will do so, if we will do so, if we will gladly serve the Lord, as it says in Tehillim, Serve the Lord with gladness. It doesn't say serve the Lord with madness. Serve the Lord with sadness. Serve the Lord with badness or radness or anything. It says serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord and do what he says to do. If we'll do that, we will experience increasing blessings even if the whole world goes the way of deception. Let's pray. How we praise you this day, O Lord, for there is none like unto you. Truly, you are El Shaddai, the Almighty One. There is none like unto your ways that can do as you do. You know the hearts of all humankind, and you extend mercy because the Torah came through Moses. Your grace and your truth were extended to us through your holy son, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Lord, I pray for everyone hearing these words, that you will pour out a blessing upon them, that you would help us, Lord, to maintain a simplicity of devotion so that we are not self-deceived, we're not deceived along with the world, and that we would walk in your truth. Thank you for this Shabbat. Thank you for the weekly reminder that we have to enter into your rest through Messiah Yeshua. And it's in his name I ask these things. Amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat. And we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H. Org. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.